And that is the trigger that makes you realize that no matter how bad it now gets, I will never, ever be at that point again. Never. The hustle culture that always tells you to give more, do more, and be more, and the pressures that come simply by being a woman has caused us so much damage in terms of stress, burnout, and a feeling of not enoughness. But guess what? You are strong. You are good enough. You have intrinsic value just by being you. You are deserving of your heart's desires. They don't have the power to give you permission, but you do. For a moment, you just simply forgot. By taking back your power and discovering your unique path, the path that works for you, committing to the inner oneness woman that you are initiates a process of wholeness, wellness, and wealth in your life. In this podcast, we will uncover our path of inner oneness women by exploring the feminine principles of spirituality, desire, rest, and connection as our guiding lights. Warm welcome. I'm your host, Linda Houston. It is such an honor to introduce my next guest on Inner Winner. And it's somebody that I had the pleasure of meeting during the Women's Federation for World Peace Conference Zoom series that we had just a month ago on work-life balance and feminine leadership where I was the moderator and Madi Sharma, who is the guest, uh, was on there and she really impressed everybody uh, with her enthusiasm and her her wisdom and um, her passion to really help women step out of their comfort zones. Um, so she's the founder and award-winning entrepreneur behind the Madi Group, which is a group of private sector sole trader companies and some not-for-profit organizations with the philosophy to create innovative ideas tailored to local action, which can achieve global impacts beneficial to society. Maddie titles herself victim to change maker as her personal experience has taken her through the university of life from a victim of domestic violence and single parent through to entrepreneur and inspirational speaker. She established her first company from her kitchen at home, which grew to two factories and 35 staff. Today, Maddie has been termed a social capitalist as she invests profits from her work into advocacy and the empowerment of others. Maddie re has received the honors of Asian Woman of Achievement and UK's Best Boss, and as well as the Woman of the Decade Entrepreneur and Leadership, All Ladies League Award. In May 2018, Maddie was listed as one of the Apolitical's 100 World Most Influential People in Gender Policy. And she has authored a book called Maddie No Excuses. So Maddie. Even I sound, even I sound impressive. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. I'm so honored to have you on here. I'm honored to be honored to be on because to be honest, anything that I can do. So I have a philosophy in life. I have to change one person's life every single day. That's it. If you can change one person's life and make a difference, then I've, I, I've got my reason to be alive. 
And it's become so hard under isolation to be able to do that. So when somebody like you says, okay, you know, I, I had a, an effect on your life when you listened to me, then that, that's great. And through your work now, you are going to help me achieve my goal of changing other people's lives. So uh, that's how basically we can all make a difference in the world. We don't think that we do, but we do. When we speak, people hear our stories, they're inspired, and that makes them also then go on to tell their stories to others and inspire others. And so the chain goes on. It's the butterfly effect. So pe people should remember that. That is amazing. Thank you so much. That is such an inspirational motto to have each day, just to change one person's life in some way every single day. And you're definitely making a difference for my day today. This is the highlight of my day. So <laughs> um, you're definitely achieving that for today. Let me let me just explain where that where I started that philosophy from. It was I went to Croatia. I used to fly around the world a lot, uh, and I was in Croatia. And I went to use the toilet. And when I came out of the toilet, I said thank you to the lady who was cleaning the toilet. And she said, "Why you say thank you?" I said, "Because the toilet is clean, and I like to use a clean toilet." And she had tears in her eyes when she said, nobody says thank you. And that's when you suddenly realize you just by saying thank you, which is for free, you can, you can make a difference to somebody's day and to somebody's lives. And so from that point, I have always thanked, made an effort even to find the person who's cleaning the toilet to be able to say thank you. So it's just those small little things that we do, uh, which are for free that, that, that make the difference. So please don't think you have to make huge big gestures to change people's lives. Right, exactly, wow. And that's the thing about you. I feel like you're so, you're so relatable um, in a way that other successful people maybe are not because I think your passion to help people, your passion to lift others up is so transparent and so clear. So you instantly feel at ease around you, you know, even though I can easily, you know, com compare myself with you maybe and, and feel like I, I don't deserve <laughs> having you on my podcast or, or whatever limiting belief yeah um but you're so you're so easy to speak to anyway but so you know, I just wanted to say that but that that's really important because you have to remember that we are all human beings and we are all normal people the easiest way to remember is and it's a, it's a stereotype but we all go to the toilet you know it doesn't matter who you are we all have to do it so Therefore, we are all of the same level and we shouldn't treat people with, we should treat everyone with respect, but we shouldn't treat any people, anybody with any difference. And I've, I mean, I've, I've been to Buckingham Palace, I've met the Queen, I've worked with the Royal Family, I've sat in number 10 Downing Street working with the Prime Ministers. 
But at the same time, I am equally comfortable sitting on the floor with uh, workers in factories or even in their houses uh, in India uh, who have nothing. And, and relating to the different people of the world is how we learn. We learn so much from others and you, we must always take that in. So whilst I'm having a conversation with you, I'm making sure I'm learning from you also. And that's why I make every effort not to be different between anybody that I work with. And it's that silly, stupid saying, which is, but it's true, that you only get one chance to make a first impression. Therefore, what I recommend to everybody is to always be yourself. So therefore you never ever get caught out. So whether I am with the royal family or whether I am with the toilet cleaner, I am always myself. And I think that is one of the most important lessons that I can offer to people because that is how I was actually appointed to a board, to the board of um, uh, uh, a UK TV company. I don't have any qualifications. So on my CV, it's almost empty. Okay, I've done a lot, but my CV is almost empty. So there's no way I could apply to be a non-executive director on an international TV company because my CV would not appear to, to, to be of any value. But the TV director saw me in my normal working environment, talking to people, uh, being responsible for problems that were going on in the local community. And that's how he said, well, please, can we have you on the board? And therefore, you never know where your next job might come from. So please just be, be always be yourself and don't try to be anybody else. Wow, that is so important. And I want to go back to where your entrepreneurial journey started. And I'm kind of guessing that maybe your point here about uh, being yourself, that perhaps, you know, you have to go through a journey to actually find yourself or to, to peel back the layers or all the the garbage that's that's in the way of who you really are in 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 the society that we live in and the way that you grew up you know you you get conditioned into not being yourself which sounds crazy but that's the truth right and that, that that's exactly that's exactly it and I'm, get I'm oh and I'm assuming that maybe you had to go through this process of peeling back those layers as you delved into your entrepreneurial journey as well. And I would love to hear some more about that, which you had to go through to become yourself and who you are now. It, it's really strange because, um, so uh, I'm from a mixed marriage. My parents are, are, are a mixed marriage. Um, but we were very much brought up as Indians. My father is Indian, came from India in 1953 to the UK, worked really, really hard, started his own business from nothing um, with, with some friends. Uh, my mom is Austrian, also with Polish roots. 
um, and she was a teacher and she worked really hard. She had five daughters. And so I've come from a family where work ethic was everything. But also because we were five girls, there we have no difference in uh, jobs. We had to do the garden, we had to do the DIY, we had to do everything to help my parents out because they were working, we were studying. And uh, that work ethic is something that I will never ever regret having had, having had to go through. And that meant that at school holidays, we worked in my dad's factory packing jumpers every single school holiday, and we never got paid for it. But this is the difference between Indian families that actually it's a team. And that gave me the entrepreneurial learning, um, which I really valued. And, but because as Indians, we're supposed to be doctors, dentists, or pharmacists, and definitely not business for women, uh, I was encouraged to go down the medical route. I went to university, I dropped out, I met an English guy, I married him against my parents' wishes. But I had made my bed and I had to lie in it because actually my parents and my whole family cut me off. I had no support. And then after seven years of marriage and two beautiful daughters, uh, my husband decided to be violent. And you have to face that on your own uh, because the perpetrator makes a fantastic job of isolating you, uh, making sure you have no finance, no friends, nobody to talk to. So the beating continues. Um, and at one point he put me on the floor, he kicked me so much that for two days I couldn't move. And it was the doctor who actually said to me, this will never stop. And that's when I picked the two kids up and walked out. Okay, it took something like six months to be able to do it. But then put yourself in my shoes, which is why I think I can very often put myself in other people's shoes because I've been there. I have no qualifications. I have no skills. I have no training. I was in poverty, a single parent, Asian. There was absolutely nothing going for me. I, I can't explain how desperate I was, but your listeners should understand. Sorry, I get emotional at this point. I remember seeing the pills on the side and thinking this, I, I can't go through all of this, but I had two kids upstairs. And that point, and it's strange that even today, even now I'm sitting here with tears in my eyes, I can still remember that lowest point in my life ever. And that is the trigger that makes you realize that no matter how bad it now gets, 
I will never, ever be at that point again, never. It wasn't the beating that was my lowest point. It was that day when I almost took the pills that I suddenly realized, come on, you can do this. And you hear me now as being confident and strong. This is why I help others because I've been through it, but I was, I had no confidence. I wouldn't speak to anybody. I wouldn't have dared to speak to you. But the following day, I decided I had to change. And that's when I started, I thought, okay, I only have one skill and that skill was, was cooking because my dad had taught me to cook. We were a big family. I enjoyed cooking. My mother was Austrian. She boils everything. She was a terrible cook. So that, that, that was my trigger. And I made four samosas, uh, triangle in, Indian snack food. And the following day, I went out and I showed them to a customer who rejected it straight away and said no. And so I said to the customer, okay, well, if I bring you 12 tomorrow and you don't sell them, then you don't owe me any money. But if you sell them, you owe me the, the money. And he turned around to me and he said, if you want to be that stupid, that's up to you. And the next day I took him 12. And by the end of the week, which was literally two days later, he'd sold the lot. He was my first customer. And I did the same thing with every single customer I went to see. One customer, one day, no more than that. That's how I built the business. Eight years later, we were supplying 10,000 products a week, supplying supermarkets and airlines. I had two factories and 35 staff. Every one of my staff was long-term unemployed because I made sure I was giving people an opportunity and they were all like me, no qualifications, several of them without um, uh, as single parents, uh, without any partners. Um, and that's, that was why we had success, success in the business. So that, that, sorry, that, sorry to go on for so long, but that's, that's the story of, of, of where we grew. I was a necessity entrepreneur. Um, and today I'm a serial entrepreneur because that's the route I've chosen that I can't, I can't work for an organization, never ever. I uh, can work with organizations, but I can definitely not work for somebody else. Uh, and you really wouldn't want me working for you anyway. So sorry to go on so long. Oh, don't apologize. That was beautiful. That was, and thank you for, for sharing so openly and so vulnerably. Um, it's, it's very, it's very impactful. And uh, yeah, it makes me, it makes me wonder, I mean, I can just imagine you going to this first customer and him telling you, if you want to be that stupid, go ahead, how that much must have felt for you. And to still, you know, it's such a, a blow to the to your pride when somebody tells you that you're stupid. But, but I'm guessing 
because you had reached that point of, of, of your, your lowest point and you knew that you had these children to take care of and, and you knew that this could be your way forward, that you had to swallow your, your pride. You had to, you have to go this path no matter what. It's different. Let me, let me stop. It's different. It, it isn't, it wasn't actually that. It was the fact that I believed in my product. Mm. And uh, so I, uh, these days I uh, mentor businesses. I support, uh, especially women in business. And um, one of the first things, and I'm, I'm really, I'm really rotten on a, as, as a mentor. I could, I, you know, I, I, I say I mentor, I say I mentor people, but I'm the whole time I'm challenging, challenging them. How much do you believe in your products? Tell me about your product. And they put up PowerPoint slides and everything. That doesn't work. That's not what I want from, from my mentees. And that, that wasn't what the customer wanted, the initial customers wanted from me either. What they want to know is that you believe in your product. So when you offer, and this is, uh, let, let me say to those people who are listening who are thinking of starting a business or who might be unemployed at the minute you have to prove you believe in yourself if you don't believe in yourself nobody else is going to believe in you so when i offered that customer 12 products for free i was putting my neck on the line to say i believe in what i am offering you i know it will work in this shop and it did work and it worked in every single shop where we put them because uh, it, was a, it was a good product. I'd, I'd, I hadn't marketed it properly. I'd made it and then we, then we marketed it later on. But it's the same with people looking for work and going for jobs. I tell all those people that I'm working with who are looking for a job, you have to knock on the door of the company you want to work for. You literally have to chase the person that you want to work for. Don't wait for the job advert to come out. But you also have to be able to say why you want to work for that company. Not, I want to work for Microsoft because I can, uh, because I like IT. That's not what the, the CEO wants to hear. What they want to hear is how you can solve their problems. So you've got to say, I can do X, Y, and Z for you. That's missing within the work that you're doing. It can improve your profitability by X amount or increase the number of your customers by X amount. Mm -hmm. And to prove I can do it, I'm willing to work for you, I don't know, for a month for free so that you can see the difference that I make. Mm -hmm. And watch the CEO say, all right, I'll take you on. I'll give you a trial. And I know because I've put mentors through, mentees through this, They've done it, they've been for the job, they've take, gone through the interview and they've said at the end of the interview, I'm willing to offer myself for a month for free so that you can see how hard I work and the difference I can make. And this is 
something that we learn in or something that I was taught in business by one of my mentors. You are not offering a product. You are offering the benefits. So a cup is not just a cup. It's a container which holds hot liquids, which allows you to drink those liquids. Otherwise, how are you going to hold hot liquids? You can't hold them in your hand. So that's the benefit of having a cup. Now, each of us is a product. This is something we forget. So as a product, what benefits are you going to offer to your employer or what benefits do your products offer to the consumers or to the customers that you're selling them to? So you have to start focusing on life that way. What benefits are you bringing? And this, this is a very different approach to how, how it's taught to write a CV and how it's taught to, to find a job in the, in the marketplace. So let me, let me just explain. So one, I've been talking about this for years now and still not done it yet, but I have a potential business that I, that I want to do and based on no CVs. We have never employed anybody on their CV. So I don't even look at people's CVs when they come to work for me. Mm. I look into their eyes or they're writing me an email and they're telling, or, or, or a covering letter or something. And it has to grab me from the start. So let me, let me explain about my, she, she's my, what I would call my PA, my personal assistant. She used to check me in at British Airways in Delhi. And she had an amazing smile. We got to know each other because I was flying in and out of Delhi for, uh, I have an import export company as well. And she was always there and her smile was always there. And in my head, I'd said to, to myself, at one point, I'm going to employ this girl, thinking that she, I would employ her to work for me in, in, in Delhi. And she at one point said to me that she was leaving British Airways and did I know anybody in uh, who could she, she could work for? I said, okay, let's try it. She can work, you can work for me. For the last 10 years till today, she is still working with me. And what we didn't understand was that she gets up four and a half hours before me. So all my work is on my desktop uh, when I get up. And when she goes to bed, I leave her all, all the work that needs doing. She does our databasing. She employed other people to do databasing. She even set her own company up under our brand uh, because she's also entrepreneurial in her, in her activity. This was somebody who checked me in at British Airways. So she added value to our company and that's what people are looking for. For goodness sake, don't base yourself on your CV. Show the person that you want to work for who you really are. 85% of CVs are rejected because of the picture. 
Hmm. 95% of CVs are rejected because of the email address. And I can't remember what the percentage is, something like 92% of company of CVs are rejected by a computer. So they're not even looked at by human beings. Hmm. An HR director works for an organization, an HR director, does not work on the factory floor. She doesn't know the jobs, she or he doesn't know the jobs that need doing throughout the factory. So you've got to be able to impress on the HR director and better still on the boss, um, exactly how you can help. So please don't concentrate on, on, on the CV. And for God's sake, remember this. There is not a successful business person in the world who started their business with a business plan, ever. That no business, per, real business person will tell you that they started with their business with the business plan. They had already started their business before they did the business plan. They had already either sold one product or started to develop the product everything else before they had the business plan. Why would we do business plans? We do business plans to attract finance. And if you're starting your business to get money, you're starting your business for the wrong reason and it will be a failure. So don't even go down that route. This is so interesting because again, it's like the opposite of what society shows you. Probably it's the same in Britain as in Sweden. You know, we have all these authorities um, that you like tax the tax authority and some other like in, the insurance agency and all these different authorities that you turn to for many different things, including starting a business or um, if you're looking for jobs, uh, applying for benefits, whatever it is. And everything seems so humanity is taken out of it. It's so it looks so theoretical. A theoretical exactly and you're it's, supposed to do things a certain way but if you're starting a business and you're supposed to have the business plan ready and you're supposed to do this and this and that it's like the passion is just taken out of it and the enthusiasm that you had from the start is almost taking out taken out of it as well <laughs> and but it's it's theoretical because the people running those organizations and worst of all the government doesn't want, first of all, doesn't want you to be an entrepreneur. The government doesn't want you to be an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs take all their expenses out and then are taxed on the profit. So that's the first thing. A regular employee is taxed at source. Therefore, the government gets its money immediately. So read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's available in every single language in the world. Yes. And you will understand why governments don't want people to be entrepreneurs. Yes. But the second, the worst for the entrepreneurs, they've never run or started a business. They don't understand the struggles. Look, you can see, because every time they're asking for experts on this or people to apply for projects uh, or speakers, on your CV, you've got to have qualifications. 
the majority of entrepreneurs in alleviate poverty, but 4% and the majority of those don't have qualifications. So why are we so hooked up on qualifications? And this is why we get the theory and not the economic growth which we deserve. Yes. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad is one of my favorite books. So if you're listening to, to this, please go and grab yourself a copy. And for goodness sake, get the Rich Dad, Poor Dad for kids to give to your kids. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, I really wanted to get into this talk about CVs and what you're saying, you know, that you it really starts with believing in yourself instead of the theoretical path that is so often taught to us. It, it, the process really starts with you first believing in yourself and then things can can follow. The path can can un, unveil itself and one step at a time. Right? So um, let me let me give you something. Let me give let me give uh, your listeners a homework. All right. So for the, at the end of this, but you, you'll understand where I'm going with this. I want you to take a blank piece of paper, and on the top of that piece of paper, write down what it is that you want to do. So if the ideal job came along, or the ideal job was at, was at ties what would you write on the top of the piece of paper what would be your ideal job 95 percent of people cannot do this exercise 95 percent of people do not know what it is that they really want to do hence 85 percent of people are in a job that they hate because they're in the wrong job. So it doesn't matter what it says on your CV, you've got to know why you are applying for that job. Why is it? If you're just applying for the money, you are going to be in a mess in five years time. You are going to be in a job that you hate. You are going to feel that you are not valued. Find the job and know what it is you want to do. And when you realize that you're in the wrong job, get out of it straight away. It's not benefiting you and it's not benefiting your employer. So it's, it is about knowing what it is that you want to do. You have, to, even if you're doing a business, you have to know what is on your piece of paper always because if you don't know what's on the top of your piece of paper you are going to always go down a route which is probably going to be the wrong route and people are going to sit there and go yeah but maddie i don't know what to put on my piece of paper or yeah but uh, i've got a thousand and one things that i want to do you can't you can only ever focus on one thing and I'll tell you what's on the top of my piece of paper so that uh, you can have a shock or you can, you, can, uh, you can understand how I'm able to focus on, uh, on what I do. On the top of my piece of paper, I have my goal is 7 billion ideas to action. So I want, stop laughing. 
I want every person on the planet to be able to turn one idea into an action. Mm. If we can enable people to turn their ideas into action, we can solve poverty, climate change, hunger, recycling, everything, any problem we can solve if we just allow people to turn their ideas into action because it's human beings that solve the problems. It isn't the politicians. It's no good sitting there waiting for politicians and governments to solve everything because they're not going to solve anything. They're going to make more of a mess. COVID is a classic example. Give it to human beings, they'll solve, they'll solve the problems. So my idea is that I, I want to get people to turn their ideas into action. And that's what we call entrepreneurship. It's not about starting a business. Entrepreneurship is about having an idea and turning that idea into an action, no matter what field that you are in. So if we can have these 7 billion ideas, it's great. So by me talking to you, that's me saying to you, okay, you have your idea, now go and turn it into, in, into, into an action. But you are also inspiring a whole load of other people to go and turn their ideas into action now. That's why when you said to me, Maddie, can you come on the podcast? You got an immediate yes. I didn't have to think about it because I know Linda is offering me an opportunity to be able to turn my idea into an action. How many have I already done? I'm 57 years old. I have done 33,000 ideas into action. And I know because I'm monitoring it through a bead that I give out. Okay, I've got, I know I have loads more billions to do um but i've got that counter going in my head which is telling me that i'm making a difference and i'm now finding more ways to get more ideas done much faster so you get my point once you've got something on the top of your piece of paper everything that you do gets challenged towards that so Find out what it is you really want to do. Really take the time to find out. Because until you know what it is you want to do, you are just going to drift. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such an important... It's so important to take the time to actually think about what you want and to get clear on that vision. And that's something that I tell people all, all the time. It's, you know, if you don't spend that time and, and give it that energy um, and that then it's never going to happen then it's 100% sure it's not going to ha- happen if you don't even spend the time to to think about it so my final question to you um, is this now you you have come to a point where you're successful and you're making an impact in other people's lives every day but I'm sure even you have low points sometimes because you're human and that's how it goes, right? So what practices and strategies do you, do you have to 
to become an inner winner on those days? This is a question I ask all of my guests that come on the show. What practices and strategies do you do to become an inner winner on the days where you, you don't feel like a winner? <laughs> it's uh, all of us have those days. I think that's one of the most important things to remember um, because otherwise, uh, we do have the challenges of mental health, um, which, which are really important. And that's also where I ask people to uh, hold their hand out and pull another person up. Um, because not everybody's strong. And I, I, yeah, I, have, I have my days when I think, okay, things are not going well. Usually I close the computer or I put the paperwork away and I go out in the garden. Um, and I do something completely different. And I always remember that tomorrow is another day. But I also look back on how far I have come. Uh, I'm extremely privileged these days to live partly in the sunshine, but in, uh, in a nice house. Uh, I have a family who have grown up. I have grandchildren now. And I could never have imagined any of that when I was lying on the floor. And that, that day he was putting his boot in. And when I, I look back, I understand that you know, I haven't just helped myself, I've helped other people. And I think when you start to assess that, you suddenly realize there's a whole lot to life that you've got to be thankful for, but also that you can make others thankful for. So just park it to one side. Um, and one more thing that I think people have completely forgotten to do, which is really, really important, and that's to put me time in the diary. So we service the car, we go to the dentist, we go to the doctors, we have Zooms with our friends and podcasts that we listen to and we make, we make, we make that time. But we don't actually have time with ourselves to work on our strategies and to work on what's going right in our lives and what's going wrong in our lives and to build our inner self and our inner self-confidence and meditation is brilliant but sometimes I actually just go to a hotel and say okay I'm gonna have uh, an evening on my own and that's what I do and that is me time and you need to put that in the diary on a regular basis. And you need to not take it out of the diary when something else comes up. Because it's an, appoint an appointment with yourself, which is the most valuable appointment you can ever have. Because if you're not looking after yourself, then you can't look after everybody else. And the quickest analogy I can give you on that is, for those of you who fly uh, on, on an aeroplane, you get an oxygen mask or you get the training for an oxygen mask. Please put your oxygen mask on before helping somebody else. So you have to put your own mask on because if you can't breathe, you can't help somebody else. 
So please concentrate on breathing and having the time to breathe. And that's how I get through those, those difficult periods. I stop and take time out and breathe. Um, and I watch the sunrise every single morning when it's a blue sky. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes, we are wrapping up now. You have given so much value during this, what, 45 minutes that we've been speaking. Yep. And I know that my listeners are, are going to be so inspired to take action and to, to start believing in themselves and, um, and also dream a little bit bigger for, for themselves, for ourselves and uh, what we can actually do in life, whether it is we, we want to work for some organization that seems unattainable right now, or if we want to start, start our own entrepreneurial journey so lastly, I just want to I just want to say what exciting projects do you have right now that I and maybe the audience can can support you with um, do you have anything happening right now? Uh, yeah, I have a couple of things but I can't, I can't mention them at the minute. Okay. Um, one one of them is a is a okay, it's it's a, it's a change in direction uh, which has come because of covid. Uh, that somebody's offered me an opportunity and it goes down a route to being able to spread my voice and the voices of others uh, more. So uh, that's something uh, to look forward to in January. I'll tell, I'll tell you more about that uh, when, when it happens. But uh, I, um, by people achieving what it is that they want to do, that it, it, it helps my goal. So all I would say to people is the way I usually wrap up on any uh, interview or uh, speaker's job that I'm doing is uh, Gandhi said, you must be the change you want to see. Maddie says, you must be the change you want to see. No excuses. So pick up your responsibility understand you have a privilege and with that privilege comes the responsibility and go out and make the change you want to see and don't use any excuses because there's no reason to make any excuses and you will see how you will fly and as always, I remain available if you believe I can help you or anybody else uh, at any time. And I have the website madisharma.org and you can contact me through there uh, or on Twitter or you can, you can find me quite easily. I've got, it, I've got enough spaces. Great, thank you. I feel like I could listen to you all day um, and talk to you all day because you just have so much wisdom. <laughs> and, um, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on here again. And no, thank, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to your friends uh, and followers. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Inner Wellness Woman. I hope you got something out of this episode. And if you did, please share with your friends or somebody you think might need this message. And I have some news for you. So I am launching my coaching. It's starting now. I'm I'm ready to coach right now. I'll have a program available from February. Uh, From the 1st of February, you can enroll in my three-month program where we will dive into your inner wellness. And that means the pillars of inner wellness are health, wealth, and wholeness. And create a strategy for you based on your goals and the blocks that you've been experiencing, the struggles that you've been experiencing that keep you feeling stuck and in misalignment with your goals so we will find a strategy together and we will have a look at your human design go much more deeply than just your energy type but we will look at your energy type as well as your the centers that are open and defined and what that means for your wellness and how based on how you are uniquely designed actually create sustainability in your life when it comes to your goals when it comes to creating the life of your dreams and so we will have weekly calls to check in where you're at there will also be assignments or exercises to help you along your journey to to stay accountable and i will help you deal with your blocks as you face them through different exercises And so having this for three months will allow us to go deep and will allow, definitely allow results in that period of time. So if you're interested, please email me at innerwellnesswoman at gmail.com for more information. You can also find the information on my Facebook page at innerwellnesswoman. And if you are curious to know more about your human design and how that links with your your overall wellness and how it can help you create wealth in your life and create wellness strategies for your your health your physical health and your your inner health you can also do a one hour call with me where we'll look at all these topics and we'll also create an action plan so that you know what next step to take to create some momentum in your life so i'm looking forward to hearing from you and have a wonderful wonderful week